0: I hate to do this. I really do. I mean, I just, just it hurts my heart to have to say this. How old is our son, Joel, Rita? Did you change? Okay, I didn't hear you change that. Of course, I'm sitting back there, born in 82. What's the math? And so, oh, well, I thought I'd give you a hard time. Do you want me to mention the other thing that I could give you a hard time on? No. If you want, later, I'll show you a picture of my wife uh how she ended up at work this week so i'll just leave it at that my grandfather uh my my mo- mother's dad was uh was very wise and very knowledgeable he he's a guy that just knew a lot about a lot of things uh or at least if, it made me think he did Now maybe he didn't maybe he made it all up but uh but wise and knowledgeable but when i was a kid i spent a lot of time around him i, I was out at my grandparents farm quite a bit and uh, out there, at least every Saturday in the summer, several times during the week. But I was just a kid, so I didn't really pick up on that. I didn't take advantage of that. Uh, th- there was wisdom there, there was knowledge there that I could have, that I could have gleaned from him, that I could have taken into my life. But man, I was a kid and didn't know any better. But, but later on in life, after my, my dad had passed away, I, for, I think it was about five or six years, would, would go home in November, usually around Thanksgiving, and, I would help my grandpa cut wood for my mom because they had a wood-burning uh, fireplace that she heated their, her house with, and so I got to spend uh, uh, three or four days with him, just intense time with him. And I tell you what, it was a wonderful time because because now I was old enough to know. I mean, I, I had kids of my own, and I'd, I I was just old enough to realize I, I, there was a lot of stuff I didn't know, and so I could, I, I gleaned uh, so much knowledge and so much wisdom uh, from my my grandfather. The, the reality is, we, we treasure people that can give us wisdom. We treasure people that can give us encouragement for the walk that we're on, because we all need that. We are, over the next couple months, going to be looking in the, the book of Psalms. Uh, obviously, we're not going to hit every Psalm, or, or we'd be here for three years on that, but, but over the next few months, we're going to look at se- several of the Psalms, and one of the things you find out from the book of Psalms is that it gives you wisdom for the walk. As you read through the Psalms, there's so much that just jumps out at the pages. And so I would encourage you, however you want to do it, a psalm a day or two or three a day or, or just sit down and read a few once a week, however you want to do it, I would encourage you to find yourself in the book of Psalms and, and I'll challenge you that you are going to find some wisdom for where you are. The book of Psalms, uh, by and large, is a book of comparison and contrast. Uh, as you read through the Psalms, you're going to see this over and over again, you're going to see compared and contrasted what it's like to follow God versus someone that chooses not to follow Him. You're going to see about someone that is is a believer, someone that's put their hope in God, and someone that's wicked that has chosen not to see and put their hope in God. And you'll find so many things for the walk. If you're struggling, if you're just having a difficult time, you might come across this psalm where it says, He lifted me out of the slimy pit and out of the mud and mire. And He set my feet on a rock, or or feel really convicted of sin, and you know you've messed up. You might you might read where it says, "Create in me a pure heart, O God." Or if you have doubts, you're, you're doubting your faith, you're doubting where God is. You might hear, might read the Psalm here: "My cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that's higher than I." You might feel worshipful and and, and read, "Worship the Lord with gladness." Uh, when you look in the book of Psalms, you're going to see wisdom for the walk. Uh, so we're going to start this morning um, with Psalm chapter 1, and, and, and we're going to see, actually compare and contrast a couple different things that we see there between two different groups of people. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm chapter 1. Let's look at those verses there. Blessed is the man who does not, not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on the law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Wherever he, whatever he does, prospers. Not so the wicked. In fact, I'm going to go ahead just and throw out the first point. Here's our our first point this morning: Uh, uh, the the promise to the wicked. So we're actually going to look this this chapter kind of backwards. We're going to the last half first. Here's what he says to the wicked. This. It's the promise to those who choose not to follow Him. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will, will perish. The, the first question that we have to ask, it, it, it's one that came to my mind when, when I read this. Who's the wicked here? So let me just toss out there that's not you. Or at least I hope it's not you. If we are a believer, so, so the opposite of that is true. Uh, we should be in that group where we are the called out ones. We are the ones that are blessed. We are the ones that are choosing to follow God. We are the, the righteous ones. Uh, so, so in this verse, in this chapter, it's talking about two different groups of people. It starts out or finishes the last half with the promise to those who are wicked. And let me point a couple things that, that we see from this. First of all, there's no prosperity if uh if, if if you are in that group and as we look around our world and we see those who would be described as wicked and the reality is the the word the hebrew word here for wicked just means that someone that's on unstable ground someone that's on ground that is shifting so so if you're you're spiritually on shifty ground or if your life is on shifty ground then that's what he means by by wicked there so anyone who is not following the lord Falls into that. So, so if you're here today, uh, don't, don't get too worried about that idea wicked. But the reality is, if we don't know the Lord, there is no prosperity. There is no prosperity. Well, well, who's going to prosper then? Well, if the wicked doesn't, then, then the ones that prosper is us. And we'll look, we'll look at that here in just a couple seconds. Several years ago, uh, Reed and I went out to her mom uh, and stepdad's out in Southern California. And in fact, we did it several years in a row. We'd go out there in, in the in January, February, and uh, a lot of times we'd go to early morning service, uh, the uh, early service at their church, and then we'd go to what was kind of our favorite restaurant. Well, there's a, a restaurant called the Jolly Roger, and the Jolly Roger's set uh, on the Long Beach Marina. And so as you as you ate your breakfast, particularly if you got a, a, a window seat where you're looking out over over the water, you, you, we, we would sit there and we literally would watch sailboats just gracefully move out of the harbor, out of the marina, out into the open ocean. And, and occasionally, uh, and mostly sailboats, but occasionally you'd see a big old cabin cruiser, one of these huge ocean-going cruisers, and, and it would slowly make its way out, out of the harbor, out into the, the ocean. And, and one of the times we were there, and it just, it was idyllic, it was peaceful, it was really cool, cause, where we live, you might see a motorboat on the Missouri River occasionally, but you know, not, oh, it, just, it was just cool. But one time we was there, it, it hit me because uh, usually it was Sunday mornings. It, it hit me. Now I was being judgmental. I bet those people aren't Christians. Now maybe they went to church Saturday night. You know, a lot of big churches have Saturday night service, but but it just kind of hit me that you know the reality is most of those people probably aren't believers and and in fact all the beautiful boats that we saw go out it was impelled it in how many were sitting in that harbor there were hundreds in that marina just sitting there tied up to the docks and and, and the thought just kind of hit me all these people with these these hundreds of thousands of dollars tied up in sailboats these people with millions of dollars tied up in these cabin cruisers that aren't believers and and I kind of thought of of this idea where it says that And they don't prosper. I'm like, it seems like they are, doesn't it? I, I, I compared, I compared them with me. I, I remember, I remember the boat that we put in my grandpa's pond, a a little John boat with one little wooden handle, and we thought we were pretty cool. But it didn't compare to these million dollar boats. And I'm like, is the scripture right there? Do I, (laughs) is it true that the wicked don't prosper? If you have your Bibles, you might hold uh, uh, Psalm 1 there open, but run over to Psalm chapter 73. Let, let me tell you what it says there. Let's look at some verses there. Chapter 73, we'll start with the first verse. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Psalm 73, verse 1. Now look at the second verse. But as for me, and notice the honesty here in, uh, in the psalmist. But as for me, my feet had almost slept. I nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from burdens, common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Now, now it seems like Scripture is contradicting itself here because the psalmist here is saying, I saw their prosperity. Notice down verse 13. Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure. In vain I've washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. So the righteous is saying... Well, look at them man they've got all this stuff They're, they are prospering and they've got all this money and all these possessions and look at poor old me I've kept my feet clean I've done what God is asking man I don't have squat verse 15 if I had said I will speak thus I, I would, have be, would have betrayed your children when I tried to understand all this it was oppressive, oppressive to me till I entered the sanctuary of God then I understood their final destiny if you want to read on in that Psalm seventy-three, it kind of gives you a little bit more uh, context to that. We know what Jesus said. Jesus said in in Luke chapter twelve, verse fifteen, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And yet, that's somehow how we define it. Uh, uh, in Matthew chapter six, Jesus said, "Do not store up treasures on earth, but uh, but store up treasures in in heaven." Our 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 world defines uh, prosperity with things and, and Jesus defined it completely different. The the reality is there's going to be people around us that have stuff. It's true. But do they really prosper? See, money and possessions, the world's prosperity, don't satisfy I I am prosperous not with my bank account. I'm prosperous not with the toys that I have, but prosperous with my family. I'm prosperous with my faith. I'm prosperous with the hope that I have in Jesus. Uh the, the promise for the wicked is they there's no real value in what they value. There's no value there. Uh Amanda, I think it was was you did you sift sift sand in Mexico? That's a fun job, wasn't it? Say yes. Yeah, Naja. yes, that was fun. Uh one of the first times that that that, uh, that I worked with Casas Per Cristo on on a mission trip, I ended up with that job. So I feel your pain, and that's why I was doing something else when you were sifting sand. But, but, but basically, they 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 load uh, or unload a big old truckload of sand, and we have to use that in our stucco. And and one of the jobs early in the week is to sift that sand. So they take just a a little wooden box that's got uh, you know a little bit of uh, uh, I don't even know screen. Thank you, thank you, honey. And, uh, and basically you just shovel, shovel full of sand through that screen and it sifts out all the impurities. And, and, or supposed to, cause there's still a few of them get through, but, but, but I remember the, the first time I did that, you'd sift and you'd just rub that sand, and get it all through there. You did that, did you that? yeah, when you were there? And you pour it. and when you finally got enough of it, you would take that screen and there'd be a bunch of just little pebbles and rocks and you'd take it over and you'd dump them. And you'd go back and do it again. And after a while, you'd take it and dump it. Now, now when we were done, at least the time I did, I remember, I had a pretty good old little pile of, of pebbles over there that had no value. They were good for throwing, I guess. Kids probably came up, picked them up, and threw them at someone. But but for what we were doing, they were, there was no value. The value was in the pure sand. Uh, notice what it says there in verse 4. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. They would have pictured it we don 't do it this way as our combines run through the field we don 't have to do it but 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 they would take their harvest and take a, a, a an instrument and throw the the weed up into the the air and let the wind blow the chaff away, and just the seed would would fall back down and and that chaff had no value at all. it just blew away the the reality is if we put our hope in the things of the world that 's what he 's saying here if that 's what we believe in there 's no value in and ultimately there's no hope therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous if we don't if we don't call on the name of the lord there's no hope my brother and i rick were uh i don't know 8 or 10 years old and we were playing baseball in our ba- our side yard and and our dad had told us not to to play where we were playing we we had started off when we were younger playing close to the house but we got just old enough that we were hitting the ball further and so dad said don't play there go to the other end of the yard, further from the house and, and and so we did some of the time but this one day we went out and we didn't want to walk all the way to the other end of the yard which was about a hundred yards well probably winning that 40 or 50 yards and so so we were playing baseball and I was I was pitching my brother my brother was a lefty and and I threw a fat pitch to him and he nailed it and it flew. I was one of those, as a batter, you know, you, you, you just kind of stand there and watch. And as a pitcher, you know, the Royals pitchers have been too used to this. They stand there and watch too. So I stood there and watched as the ball gracefully arced toward the pitcher window of our house. Whoo, it missed it. But it didn't miss the side window that was right beside the pitcher window. The glass broke and we looked at one another and I'm thinking, I didn't hit it. (laughs) Although obviously I was just guilty. And, uh, and and we thought, maybe no one noticed. (laughs) We're going to play dumb. I don't know how the window broke, but about that time the door opens, the screen door opens and out walks my dad. And we're thinking, we're hanging on to that last little sliver of hope. Maybe he didn't hear the breaking glass. But, but, but as he got closer to us, from behind his back, he pulled out the baseball. <laughs> and we realized there was no hope. <laughs> we, we were we were guilty. We, there was nothing we could say. Now, some of you would be the same way. This is how I would have been. My dad was kind of cool this way. He, he ended up saying to us, what did I tell you? Didn't I say not to, hit, to, to bat down there? Now, Dad. And he said, who hit it? And he looked at Rick, and I like, This is what he said. Nice hit, Rick. <laughs> That's a good shot. <laughs> so, the window broke, and man, my, my son just hit a, hit a shot there. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, 31. In, in fact, uh, if you have your Bible, I'm, I know we're, we're running short on time, so I'll go fast here, but Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31 says this. It says, it's a dreadful thing, or, or some versions say it's a, a, a fearful thing, to fall into the hands of the living God. Now now that verse isn't talking about us. Because if you go back to chapter 10 starting verse 19, it says therefore brother since we have confidence to enter the most high place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way opened up for uh, through the curtain that is the body and since we have a great priest over the house of God let us draw near to God with a sincere heart with full assurance it, it is a scary thing to stand before the Lord with no hope that's the promise to the wicked but but let's contrast that the promise with the wicked with the purpose of the righteous the the purpose of us that choose to follow the the Lord and it says there in verse 1 blessed is the man blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers but his delight is on the Lord the purpose of the purpose of of the righteous is to live a blessed life. Now, now really what he's talking about here, it's going, to seem, it's going to seem like it's contradicting this, but the blessings that we have don't come from the things we don't do. It really comes from the things that we do. It comes from the, the positive. Now, that's going to seem a little bit odd, and I'll explain it here in a minute. When I was growing up, my cousin Benny, uh, all the years I grew up, lived in, in the house across the alley from us. Um Benny was an only child. Uh, do you have any only children here no no one 's an only child case kinda because you 're yeah I mean it's probably true of you. Benny was an only and read the same way. her brother was eleven years older, so she was spoiled too case um, uh, Benny was an only child um, now this is sixty, so you know i 'm old, so this was in the sixties uh he was an only child, and his house is the only house in my. My little town that I knew of that was air conditioned. There might have been some others, but his was the only one I knew of that was air conditioned. We had air conditioning in our house. It was called a fan. Uh, in fact, it was a fan with metal blades, and the the grates were that far apart so you could reach in there and stick your finger in. Go, you know. So um, I, I think those are illegal now. But uh, uh, but that was our air conditioning. And if you got lucky with six kids, you got to stand in front of that for a couple minutes. But but that was our. Benny was a, Benny was an only child and he had all the great toys. I I may have said this, he had all the Tonka stuff. We we had passed down toys that were missing wheels and broken and, but Benny had the, he had all the metal Tonka toys and he had a tractor with a real disc that you could actually disc and a little plow and a, I think he even had a little planter that he could put a couple seeds in it. I mean, he had the greatest toys, but you would find him most hot, humid summer days, not at his house, you'd find him at our house. Where he was inside with us or out in the yard, uh, sweating away and, 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 and why? Well, a couple reasons. Number one, he was the only child he wanted to have someone to play with, so he came over to our house. But, but, but I oftentimes said, Benny, I'll go play at your house. But my aunt <laughs> didn't want any other kids in the house. Uh, and, and the other reason is, he wanted to play with us because she had so many rules. I mean, when you walked in the house, it was, uh, you know, take your shoes off. Now some people like that. I, I didn't grow up that way, <laughs> you know. And well, on you went. Uh, take shoes off. Um, he, he had to play quietly. You didn't want to upset Aunt Fizz. Um, and, and, and you only play with one toy at a time. He had all cool toys, but you only use one at a time. And so he loved playing with us because, man, it was just a free-for-all. And the, the reality is the blessings that we have aren't just coming from the, the rules. Don't. It's coming from the positive, the things that we are called to do. Um, as you look at this, you, you see the first thing it says is, is that, it, that we do not participate. And let me let me see where it says that. Man is blessed who does not participate. What it says there, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now, don't misunderstand. It's it's not telling us that we can't be around the wicked, that we can't be around those that don't believe like us. The reality is Jesus modeled what it was like to be in the world and not of the world. Where was Jesus all the time? What was the accusation against Jesus? Well, he eats with sinners. And he contorts with, uh, with tax collectors. He's, he's hanging out with prostitutes. He's hanging out with people that aren't of the church. That's what they accuse Jesus of all the time. So we are called, we are called to be with the world, just not walk with the world. That's what we're challenged to do. Let me illustrate this way. If, if you live, let's say in a a small apartment complex and there were 10 units, 10, 10 little apartments there, and, and for some reason, I don't know why this would be the case, but for some reason, you had 10 flashlights in your house we've got about four or five in our house we just never know where they are when the the power goes out but the power goes out and and you've got 10 flashlights and you go grab one of your flashlights and you just happen to have some friends over and there are 10 people in your apartment and so so you pass out the flashlights and so everyone's got a flashlight and so you're sitting there in the dark and how cool that be everyone's got their own flashlight man it's starting to illuminate it's pretty cool in here everyone's got their own flashlight and but but you start to hear your neighbors and you hear them bumping into things and so you step outside and you kind of look, and there's no light in any of the other nine apartments. What would you do? W- would, you, would you sit in your apartment all ten you with your flashlight glowing and saying, man, they should have planned better. They should have had a flashlight. Or would you go to their apartment and say, we've got plenty, here's, here's a flashlight. We're called to be light, but but we're called to be light in darkness. Uh, so, so we're called uh, to, to not put ourselves in a place where we walk with the wicked, but we are called to be, be light. Uh, blessed is the man that does not put himself in a certain position. Uh, notice what it says there, or stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. Uh, Gary, I'm going to let you off this time. I, you bet. You bet. I need everyone over here. If you will do, just humor me. Now, physically you're not able to do it, it's Okay. I won't call you out. Would everyone over here stand up? Just stand up. See, I gave you a break. can not believe you did that. <laughs> wow, you actually stood up? Now, now collectively, they're a group. They're standing up. Now, you might be thinking a couple different things. Some of you over here are thinking, I was going to sit on that side. And maybe someone over here is kind of like I am this morning. My back hurts a little bit. This morning. John, Mike, that might be you thinking, "Man, I wish I'd sit over there because I could stand up and stretch a little bit." And now, and but they're all stand. They are a group that's standing up. And and this passage says that we're not to hang on. Just stay there for a little bit Um because that's the other thing you're thinking. How long are we going to have to stand up? I don't know. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sit down. The but but what would happen if next week, partway through the sermon, I said, "Stand up," and the week after that, I partway through the sermon, I got to a point and I said, "Okay, everyone on this side, stand up." It'd be about three or four weeks in a row. You know what? You would start deciding. I didn't like standing up. I'm going to sit over there. Or you might be thinking, I kind of like that. You know, I was about to doze off. Stand that woke me up. I'll sit over there because I. You would choose which side you were going to sit on by. By who you stood with, you would choose the side by by, by who you're going to stand with. When, when I was uh, uh, in in eighth grade, last day of school, my eighth grade year, we, we we left school and a fight broke out between Tim Hicks and Frank Bechtel. Frank Bechtel was one of my friends, went to church with him, his mom was my Sunday school teacher for years, and led youth group. and And Frank was a pretty close friend. And uh, but they got in a fight. Tim Hicks had said that Frank Bechtel had flunked, and he hadn't he just barely passed, but he hadn 't flunked and and uh uh and he, he spread that room, and Frank was mad i 'd be mad, been mad too, so they they squared off in the middle of the road they 're going to have a fight, and Tim Hicks was a popular guy frank Frank was not so much, and he was my friend, <laughs> so was Tim Hicks, but Frank was a closer friend, so that's going to make the point, Thank you, Rita, for pointing that out to me. <laughs> And, and it kind of just how, you know, fights do, it, you got a group that was yelling for, you come on, Tim, knock his head off. You can take him, Tim. And, and yelling at Frank, Frank, you're, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and it, and it literally happened that the whole group, and there was about eight or ten of us, they all kind of gravitated together and they were all cheering for Tim and against Frank. And I didn't yell. I didn't say knock his head off Tim. Go on, Frankie, you're a loser. But you know who I stood with? I stood with that group. <laughs> so so where I where I put myself, where I where I positioned myself was in the wrong place. Uh, where we position ourselves, that's what he's talking about here. Uh, you'll be blessed if you don't stand in the way of sinners or or you don't place yourself there, he says, if you don't sit in the seat of mockers, they would have understood the, 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 the analogy there. They would have understood, he was talking about probably the city gates where the, the, the leaders, the politicians and just people would gather, usually men would gather and debate one another. He said, don't, don't sit with them in the mockery, in, in the wasting of time. But instead, and your notes are wrong, I put a, I accidentally typed in, it should say, but does practice, not does not, but does practice. Because notice what it says there, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on the law he meditates day and night. Now it brings up a couple things. When I read that, you know the first thing that I come, that pops in my mind is I feel guilty. Because I'll be honest, I don't meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. I know I'm the preacher and I'm supposed to, uh, but I don't. So, so, am I supposed to feel guilty? Golly, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm not blessed. Now, 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 don't miss a point. I'm calling us to do that more than we probably are now. Uh, when Reed and I first started dating, uh, many years ago, 30, almost 40 years ago, I, I meditated on her day and night. D- didn't you do that when you first started dating? I mean, that's all I could think about was her, her, I'm gonna, win the point? Her beauty. And, uh, and her smile. And and she was so talented and so loving. And, uh, okay, I'm pointed on. But, but I did think, that's what I thought about. It. Did you guys do that? I mean, that's all I thought about. Don't tell her. But I don't do that anymore. I don't think about her all the time like I used to. Uh, but I love her more now than I did then. And I know her better now than I did then. And I'd be willing to literally lay down my life now more for than, than I would have then when I was infatuated with her. And the truth is, every decision I make now is made either with her, I consult her, or I at least think about how it's going to affect her, how it's going to affect us. Or will I get in trouble if I, you know. But every decision in my life is made with her in my mind. And and so, hey, if, if you want to feel guilty that you don't meditate on the law every moment of your life, then go ahead and feel guilty. I don't think that's what he's talking about. It's it's do you place God and and what he calls you and calls of you. Is that affecting every decision? See, that's, I think, really what he wants there. The man is blessed. We are blessed. When our life is permeated with what Christ is. And let me finish with this. Uh, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked uh will will perish. If we are righteous, if we are righteous, we will be watched over. Verse three says, He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Uh, when, whenever I fly, we used to fly out to California quite a bit, and we'd fly over the southwest deserts uh, from Colorado on through Arizona, wherever the, the flight happened to take us. And, and so from 30,000 feet, we would look down, and, and I'd love to look out the window and try to figure out where we were and what I was looking at. But every so often, even in those desert landscapes, you would see, a, uh, and from 30,000 feet, it was just a, 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 little, a little sliver, a, a little snake-like uh, a patch of green. And from 30,000 feet, you couldn't tell what was there. But there's something I knew was there every time there was water. It was probably trees. It might have been a little bit of grass. It might have been shrub. But but, but that little snake of green, I, I could without a doubt guarantee you that there was water there. Because where there's water, there's life. We are blessed. We are blessed like a tree around water when we walk in the way of the Lord. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, then uh, allow me to put us in a couple groups here. There's the wicked and there's the righteous. The, the righteous, really, we're not any better than you. We're still sinners. We're just forgiven. And God wants to forgive us all. He wants us all to be called into his family. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, I'd encourage you to make that decision. Or at least come talk to me or talk to one of our leaders. And we'd point you in the way to find yourself blessed by the Lord. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you this morning that we can have hope in you. That we can find strength and comfort. And we can find wisdom for our walk. Uh, Father, we thank you that we can find ourselves Uh, in in the way of the righteous, that we can find ourselves blessed by your love in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.